Hello and welcome to the TV Kids Summer Festival. I'm Anna Karugati, Editor-at-Large at TV Kids. Today I will be leading a conversation about the French animation market, which is quite dynamic and active. Joining me are Julien Borde from Media One, Clément Calvé from Superprod, Emmanuel Petri from Dandelou, and Sophie Kido-Prigion from Harry. Thank you all for being with me today. So let's start with a with a broad question, sort of to set the scene. What are the strengths of the French animation market today? Um, well, on one hand, we have schools that are among the, you know, the the best um, in the world. So they train the students to be incredibly talented in, you know, as layout artists, storyboard artists, directors, etc. So we have this. We have also a flourishing number of studios thanks to the tax credits. And we have the subsidies from the CNC and the obligations also for school, uh, for channels, sorry, to invest into um, and to finance, you know, the shows that we produce. So that in all, you know, start, it's a good start for, um, for great strengths in terms of our market in France. We also have many clients. I mean, we still have many broadcasters on board. If you compare to Italy, where there's only Rai, uh, we actually have still have linear channels. And so I think we have about 25 different uh, kids channels. So um, with different uh, financing, of course, but it's still a very vibrant um, industry. And we also have very passionate uh, buyers and commissioners. You know, they're passionate about animation, about children's programming. Uh, so that's also great because there's a wonderful interaction uh, on on the content itself. To add yeah. on 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 Kido's um, nice list, and somehow we also have a strong stability. I would say, you know, the mm. system is in place. It's been a while, and uh, it's still there, and it proves that uh, it works well. And each time there is like uh, uh, new elements coming on in the market, like the arrivals of the platform and so on. We've always been able to adapt ourselves and the system so that it still works. So I would say that, uh, you know, stability and uh, experience as well is a tremendous plus for for everyone. I agree with Clément, really, we, we have an history in animation and which has, has led us to have a solid network of kids uh, commissioners. So from TF1 to France TV, as a public French broadcaster, to Canal+, which is also investing a lot of, in animation. There have been movies or in TV series. So we are very lucky to have that, that system of uh, very strong commissioners. That's quite unique in Europe, as, as Emmanuel was noticing it. And uh, I also believe we are the, the product, the result of our very long history, as Clément was saying. It's really a political decision that has been taken in the 80s to protect mm. cultural diversity, to make sure that kids in France will see local content and diverse content coming from creators here. So uh, uh, we are very lucky. We know that many, many Europeans are envying us. They, they really would like to have to benefit from such a, a good system. And in a way, it's happening because cultural diversity is now more protected uh, through the old system that is, has been uh, created. Uh, to push the streamers to invest into local animation. What are you hearing from commissioners and buyers? And what is your reputation among the international buying and commissioning community? Would it be easier if you ask other people outside the country? <laughs> okay. <laughs> what do you think of the French? <laughs> because otherwise it's like what we think they think. But um... yeah, I believe the, our, our partners worldwide and know that they can trust the French producers. And I can say that because I'm a very young producer in a way. I've been commissioning for all my life and for three years now mm. and producing mm. 
content. And I know that the broadcaster and partners all around the globe trust the French producers to be capable of delivering content, very new, innovative, fresh ideas. Um, and, and they also know that we are capable of resolving many very complex financing situation. And that, when I was a commissioner, I was really valuing it from the people who are in, in that panel, by the way, that they were always capable of finding solutions, finding new financing uh, strategies to manage to do the show ultimately. If I may add, I would say that uh, we all have our different specificities, either if we're French or coming from another country, but what's now accepted, I think, from every... Uh, commissioners that the French uh, animation can travel and that more and more you can see our content on uh, the channels or the platforms in every country in the world, including the US. Uh, so uh, I think uh, uh, that's something that is not no longer questionable and uh, we benefit from it. And we're not no longer, you know, uh, uh, having any uh, complex of uh, pitching our projects to any partner, of course. I think we've come a long way from the 80s because when you look yeah. back at the series, they were kind of, ugh, you know, on design and writing and everything felt kind of embarrassed. And uh, and we've strongly improved, on, uh, notably on the writing, especially because we have schools that have emerged like the CEA. And so it seems that uh, there used to be, uh, especially from the British, thinking that the French were very bad at writing and didn't know how to write. And it seems it's slowly changing, which makes us happy. And I think on the design, we've actually proven to, as, as Kim was saying, we have a big diversity in, in styles and um, we have great, great designers. Um, again, looking back at from the 90s, et cetera, it's amazing. The talent has increased so much. And yeah, um, but to answer your question, what makes me really happy is when we go at markets and I show our flyer and, and the buyers say, wow, it's all beautiful. I love it. If I could, I could buy everything. And that makes me so happy. <laughs> so <laughs> sorry, because it's, you know, and I can say that because uh, it's only a quarter of them are our own shows because we distribute other shows. So, uh, but that's, that's so nice to hear. So nice to hear from buyers. And also, if you, if you look at the different success, even in the U.S. in the last 10 years, I think most of the kids' network have had very big success with French IPs. So now the French producers are not only seen as people who can finance, who can find the right talent, but also studios that can manage to build an IP. It is our case with Ladybug, Miraculous uh, in co-production with Zag, but it's also mm -hmm. Pijamask of Alvin. Mm -hmm. So many high-ranking shows in the U.S., are originated here in France. Uh, and if I may add some a word about uh, future film animation, because it's also uh, part of uh, uh, our industry, I would say that uh, there's a we call it we call it the French touch, uh, mm -hmm. which has proven to be uh, uh, you know very well received worldwide. Just to give you uh, some short figures, we we've been nominated like more than twenty times the last twenty years at the Oscars, either for short film or feature film and uh yeah and that you know strikes everybody's mind and uh and of course there's also here uh some uh, you know some recognition from the market excellent so what trends are you seeing in demand for animated projects both in terms of subject matter and animation styles i don't think they're demanding anything they, they don't need us they don't i mean the broadcasters don't they have so much they'd say that they receive like 500 projects for year per year 
So when you ask them, say, what are you looking for? Oh, I'm not looking for anything. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm thinking that really the, the streaming boom has had a very good impact on the traditional broadcasters. Uh, and, and they have now broad demands. They are ready to and open to many, many different pitch from very young preschool to adult animation, even if they are commissioning slowly on adult animation. So for us, it's a, it's really a, an area of opportunities. And I feel now that really the traditional broadcasters are opener than ever. They can go to uh, to more serialized series, uh, to different kind of demos. And, and in the last months, we have seen the streamers moving to more commercial uh, IPs. Uh, they, they have started by commissioning many, many very sophisticated sophisticated new ideas, things that the market wouldn't have done before them. And now I feel they are going to mainstreamer, uh, mainstreamer comments and, and uh, um, commissionings. So it's, it's an interesting time for us because in fact, everything is open on the market at the streamers, like at traditional broadcasters. In terms of, uh, of subject matters, also the one thing that I'm hearing so much these days, and it made me think about the Nickelodeon's DNA, you know, heart smart and fart. It's it's a lot about, you know, um, yeah, lovable characters who spark empathy, um, who are experiencing everyday situations that kids can relate to, um, but also emotional intelligence that can actually translate it to, you know, smart as well. And, uh, and a lot of comedy, um, that, that is for sure. Um, and then if you can bring with all that, if you can bring the family to watch together the shows, then you take so many boxes, I think, <laughs> for the commissioners and broadcasters in general. The comedy stays all the time. Everybody's asking for comedy. But what I see more is that they're asking for more meaningful programs. Like, uh, like Sophie was saying, it's social, emotional is bringing a lot. This is probably since COVID, but they don't want, it seems like parents and broadcasters don't want kids to just be eyeballs anymore and be entertained, but they want to have takeaways and, and know how to, and mental health probably also a lot, like uh, um, consciousness and being able to, you know, take a, to breathe and to, to be better about your feeling about yourself. I mean, not, not in a, not in an educational or, or preachy way, but just intertwined into the story to have things that are helping kids feel better about themselves. And diversity and inclusion is also something very important for our partners. And I think it's good because it mm. really allows us to make, uh, like Emmanuel was saying, uh, impactful content. Mm. Mm. And maybe CG is taking the lead uh, aside from the adult animation where 2D is really the uh, the main way to do it but uh, more and more we're asked to do some uh, CG animation I would say you've touched on the impact of the streamers um, on the French animation market I wanted to know if if there is more to talk about that how how have they shaken up the market in, in good ways or in, and in bad ways What's scary, I won't name it, but one of the platforms uh, is really saying that they are looking for sticky programs, which is okay. It has to be, you know, stickiness. We understand what that means. But when they're talking about the thumbnail choice, you know, that kids choose on an image that is this big and out of a sea, an ocean of these images, the kid has to click on something that either he or she knows, recognizes as a brand or something extremely striking. That scares me, I have to say, because... 
it's good in a way because that means you have to it's the essence of what the show is about but at the same time there you know you're judged your series is judged on on a very small image and of course you cannot explain what it's about and how good it's going to be or whatever so it's a way of judging that is extremely harsh and of course kids will might be might have to walk away from something that would be really cool just because the image didn't click in their mind and that's that's a bit that's something new to me in in a way that uh you have no choice than being extremely impactful on 2 centimeters uh, it's 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 a bit scary i have to i have to say i would imagine that impacts marketing and discoverability doesn't it really discoverability to to your point anna is really critical for the streamers and i think in the the first nearly 10 years because netflix was launched 10 years, more than 10 years, nearly 10 years ago, I think in 14, 2014, they have been such big believers in only the algorithm uh, mechanism that is pushing content in function of your own uh, taste. Uh, and I think for kids, all the streamers have seen that it is not enough. And that if you want to build an IP, build a franchise, you need to help discoverability. You, you need to, to curate your content, to highlight it, to put marketing. So it's moving very slowly, but we are starting to see the streamers uh, back to the uh, traditional ways of establishing an IP. And I think it's, it's very good for us. It's, it's not easy because there, you have tons of content everywhere and they have to make choices, but they have no other choices than making those choices and reinventing the programming in a way in this uh, digital envi environment. And if we talk also in terms of market or from the industry perspective, I would say that the arrival of the platforms obviously uh, creates a lot of uh, opportunities for studios to do some, some work. Uh, there have been much more projects uh, produced in France in the past years. Uh, exactly. But, but the thing is that all that work uh, is mainly dedicated to service work. So it doesn't change the number of productions that uh, has been produced by French producers on their own. But on the other hand, there, there's been much more work for the last, uh, I'd say the last four years done in France. So it gives access to uh, the studios for newcomers, new talents uh, that, that are coming out of schools and so on. So that's, that's the, the plus. But, I, but we can say that on the other hand, it has had a plus uh, or at least on the edge uh, for the French producers to, to sell their own projects. The, the plus is really a big plus because I think in 21, the general revenue of animation was something like 600 million. You're better at numbers that, that I am, but I think this is it. And, and 250 million euros comes from servicing and 90% from US clients, which at Superprod, you, 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 you do very well with US clients. Yeah. But it takes away the, the 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 best talent from the French projects, though. That's a bit of a downside. But they are not, but they are not so far. I mean, <laughs> servicing project, we can move them to our own project. If I may take it from uh, our company's perspective, it, it was a it was a plus because we were able to stabilize the you know the, the talents because when you only do your own shows, you, if you don't have enough to to produce, then you have your talents that are, that may you know, leave the company after uh, finishing their shows, where when you can have uh, some service work as well, then you can, you know, guarantee a continuity of work to your uh, uh, talents. And then you can, you know, capitalize on that 
and you can improve the quality of the work you're doing. And, you know, it's, it changed the game in terms of relationship with the talents somehow. What impact have the quotas from the audiovisual media services directed had? Have they been helpful to French production companies? On the platforms, you mean? On yes. The... Yes. Well, yeah. the thing, I wasn't there at the signature, but... Uh... What happened was we were very disappointed. I'm talking we, the animation industry, because the quotas were put on the platform, but uh, uh, not, not there was nothing mandatory on animation, on the kids programming, sorry. So um, they had no obligation at all to invest into kids programming and into animation. Um, so it didn't change anything for us. You're right, but it's not like none. They're, they have a, an obligation for diversity, but it's like so tiny and narrow compared to the amount of uh, turnover that they, that they make. But at the end of the day, you're right. It doesn't change much, like mm, uh, right. one, was... one or two series per year. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, uh, we renegotiated, if I understand correctly, soon. I think it's been very positive for drama for our colleagues uh, yep. with drama. Mm -hmm. Sure. So the principle of the quota system uh, is very good and is having positive impact on, on the business in general. But we were a bit disappointed by the sub quota that was put mm. in place for animation, knowing that animation is a genre that travels so well and that our partners, uh, especially in US companies, know that. So we, we hope in the future we will manage to, to do better with them. Yeah, because it drives like, really a great part of the viewership, also with the kids, right, and families. So, yeah, yes. it should be recognized a bit more. Mm. Absolutely. Um, uh, France offers subsidies and tax credits. However, production costs have been going up. Um, how have you been dealing with these increases? And are you finding that you are uh, using partners more than you were before? For Harry, we don't we don't co-produce actually. So because we want to control one hundred percent of the original IPs that we that we develop. So um, so for us, um, how how we do that? Then uh, how do we compensate for the increase of the cost? Um, well, it's kind of simple in a way, but not simple. We bet on international success um, because the success of the IPs that we you know, we get out there is going to finance the development of our next IP. Um, so that's really how we're seeing that. And when I say international success, I mean, you know, having the involvement of some major local players to start with and some pan-regional, worldwide players, several windows um, and, and you know, a cycle of exploitation that it can be a bit, you know, as long as, uh, as, long as possible uh, or several of them, I would say. So that's, uh, yeah, that's our modus operandi, Harry. I don't know if we can really say that uh, the costs have, uh, have gone up. Um, you know, it all depends on the, on the demand. And uh, obviously, if you ask to make uh, shows that are more demanding in terms of, uh, you know, quality, you need to put more people, you need to, you know, to put more attention to the, what you're producing. So yes, then obviously the cost will go up, but... If you take the cost for one person, one animator, and so on, you know, we have a strong collective bargaining uh, agreement in France, and uh, it helps us to stabilize uh, the, the, the prices. And, uh, and of course, uh, if you don't have enough talents, then uh, there's some pressure and they may have a better uh, uh, salary at the end of the day. But this varies. You know, sometimes there's more work, sometimes there's less, less work. It all depends. So uh, it's... It's not a big variation, I would say. 
At Dunderloo, we do co-productions. We still do it the old way. So we try to co-produce with European countries like Belgium. And right now we're on with Portugal and with Italy and, and then um, try to aim for the creative Europe, the European uh, subsidy, which is difficult to get, but we feel very, very European in that way. And that's a way to compensate because we work a lot with Canada Plus and the financing is not as um, good as positive or TF1. So we need to have a, we need to have a partner outside which creates, you know, an overcost and everything else, but it's still worth it. And we are in the same team as uh, Emmanuel co-producing, uh, especially because uh, we are part of a bigger group that has subsidi subsidiaries uh, and that has uh, different companies uh, throughout Europe. So we, we co-produce a lot, for instance, in Italy with Palomar Animation. Uh, we, are, we are also working a lot in the UK now. So it's really using all the, the European toolbox that is mm. uh, here, uh, and you have, which is something very good for financing. We have a real competition competition between the different tax credit system in Europe to attract uh, business. So it's really something that is helping us to cope with the difference, the different finance challenges that we have to face. And I have to thank uh, Cartoon Forum because it's such an amazing uh, event, and I mean it's made us feel so closer to each other, all the Europeans culturally on a human point of view i mean it's it's something that is uh so brilliant um that it's helped us all on a on a personal and business level a lot i'm i'm always amazed about the how it has uh, bring, made this industry bigger and a very good thing is the uk producer will be there i think yeah I mean, they're coming back they're coming back <laughs> but for us it's very important because it's also yeah. We managed to work with uh, people in the US and the UK, help us to, to make really global uh, global shows. Yeah, and co-production is fun, you know? It's like having yeah. friends all over the place, it has always been like a great uh, deal. And you and, never get uh, bored. <laughs> there are always problems to solve. <laughs> and, I, and I remember uh, when we produced uh, Song of the Sea, the movie from uh, Tom Moore and Captain Saloon, we are five producers and we had so much fun. We, we used to meet all the time and uh, we're still good friends right now. <laughs> Have beers, yeah. Irish beers. We can rely on each other. All the, you know, it's great. We're friends everywhere and we tend to, to learn true. from different cultures and so on. So, yeah, we love it. We love it. So in today's environment, is there still great demand for exclusivity? Or are the platforms linear and non-linear beginning to be more willing to share rights? I think there is a better understanding uh, that content needs to be everywhere. Mm -hmm. And that to, to manage to build an IP in such a fragmented environment, you need to be where kids are. So that our partners understand still in their DNA. Uh, they love exclusivity. They need exclusivity for their own business. So we, we understand that. But, but it's really moving slowly, but moving to, to something opener to sharing. In theory, they all say they love each other and want to share. But when you go boil down to, to trying to make a deal, it doesn't work anymore for whatever reason. But uh, I'd love it to be easier. But exclusivity still seems to be king in many situations. There's a lot of the platforms and podcasters have been asking for um, 
renowned franchises and you know su- successful second runs and stuff so they're aware that they can't necessarily get uh, full exclusivity and also because the budgets have been a bit challenged recently so we feel more flexibility for that but it's true that as much as possible they'd love to to have that exclusivity or at least then they make compromises one season or something like that or then you know so um having um decreasing the the length of the holdbacks and so on yeah there, there's a bit of effort i feel though in that in that sense and maybe the the feature film side will will crack it sooner i don't know there's been announcement from amazon and apple says that they want to you know uh allow the movies to go in theaters so that they can amortize their, their cost and make some profits before it goes on the platform. Uh, let's see what, what's going to happen there. Why not? I believe in kids. Uh, the, the Moonbug case study has a very mm-hmm. big impact on the industry because really they are one of the only companies that has managed to build strong IPs in that new digital fragmented environment by selling a content that is free uh, on YouTube to our traditional clients and to streamers. And that is starting to make think our partners that they can do things uh, differently. Mm-hmm. And also on the general entertainment and drama side for grown-up, things are changing, uh, as Clément was referring to in terms of movies, but also live action series. The streamers are opener to sharing rights with local players, which really will help us a lot. And I think when they really want to show, they prefer to have it on a non-exclusive basis than not have it at all. Yeah. So basically it means that the show is very valuable if they finally accept to, okay, fine, fine, fine. <laughs> we'll, we'll do it non-exclusive, which is a good sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but also like Wiki, well, we heard like from some broadcasters that then you would get la- lower license fees and, and that's fine. But as long as, you know, we combine all the license fees to get where we need to get, to get, you know, um, but that's, yeah, something that maybe has an impact also on the budgets we need to have in mind as well. But the, the, the need of uh, exclusivity is not uh, the only, it's not only coming from the, the platforms, you know, the linear channels also, when you come and see them and tell them that you have a, a series <laughs> as great as it can be uh, for the channel, but it's also on the platform. They tend to say, well, you know, I want exclusivity, so I don't want to buy your show, even though it's great, because, you know, this, there's a platform already airing the, the, the project. So it's like we, we, need to, we need to convince both sides to live together. I, I find it more challenging on the platform side because they are looking for shows that what they call unencumbered, which is a strange word and we don't have it in French. And uh, which means that if we already have a French broadcast on board, which happens a lot, uh, they will not touch it unless it becomes a hit in a few years and we have 24 different languages, right? But in the first scenario, they will not touch it if France is already taken, which is a bit unfair in a way. Because they, yeah, I think it's starting to slowly change a bit. They they realize that if they don't make an effort there, they will walk away from great projects. And how do you see the health of linear channels? In the UK, the BBC has announced its digital first strategy. ITV has ITVX. Are French broadcast groups doing something similar? What I see is that they're testing on the various platforms. And at France Télévisions, they're, they prepare a whole strategy. You know, sometimes they start in the summer with Oku and then decide how it goes. And then they will 
forwarded to France 5 or for France 4 or so for them it's a testing it's a testing um, platform um I feel they're still healthy I mean they're decreasing they're, it's more and more challenging but they're still you know alive and kicking all of them they are good at what they're doing doing digital uh, like the BBC is very strong with the BBC player and the CBBs and CBBC shows on in digital all the channels globally are transforming themselves into on-demand digital services. The big question is, are both going to exist together in the future? And, and how long? And how, <laughs> how long will it take? <laughs> and I, do, I do believe it's going to exist. I've always been a big believer in the fact that you need both linear right. and non-linear. And, uh, and um, even if the BBC is going to close the CBBC and put everything into digital, they still will have CBBs. Uh, for, for the younger children. Uh, and in the UK, you have had uh, Sky uh, launching a, a linear kids mm -hmm. TV channel with Sky Kids. And yeah. if you have a look at the, what the fast TV channels are doing, you have many, many linear kids fast TV. I think linear and non-linear can be combined, need to be combined to build mm -hmm. uh, IPs. And, um, and kids uh, deserve... Uh, the channels and the media to organize their content and combining linear and non-linear is a, is a very good way to allow kids to be lazy in a way. You, you need uh, discoverability, curation, uh, working on both linear and non-linear. What I find challenging is um, the fact that a lot of free-to-air channels, when they develop their free video-on-demand services, then they require for the whole series uh, to be to be there unlimited at any given time and and that is making it a bit challenging for us then to get the pay tv or the pay services then to come in and to have you know these multiple windows um, and in that sense fast channels were much better i think because it's linear still um it's scheduled so yeah that's that's a bit of the thing that i find a bit yeah tricky sometimes these days You mentioned before that France has some of the world's best animation schools. How are you finding and nurturing new talent? And is there enough talent for all the projects you have? Unfortunately, the market these days is uh, shrinking a little bit. As you know, uh, all the uh, American uh, platforms and companies are tend to hold on and wait. Uh, so there's, there's, there's some talents on the market. And uh, it used to be more difficult than this a few years ago, but uh, I would say that unfortunately, it's no longer the case, I would say. Yeah, talent scouting is really critical to our activity. So I think all of our, all our studios have uh, hired specific people to look for talents, to build specific uh, relation with uh, schools everywhere in, in France. We are, as you said, Anna, very lucky to have them among the best schools. So, so... I think it's uh, there is there is a tension on the market on certain jobs on, on storyboarders on, on directors, but after the COVID crisis, we we are also opener to working different ways. So we find French talents uh, out of Paris, for instance, uh, in Angoulême, in the north of France. We have many many very good talent that we are working on and that do not need to come every week in Paris. That can come every month uh, to to meet with the rest of the team. So allows us to, to work with better talents. The distant working has really created uh, an incredible uh, fluidity in the work uh, 
It's quite surprising that so many people can work from far away. I just heard today someone living in Sens, like in Burgundy, like this would have never been possible <laughs> a few years ago, or Marseille or Nice, or it's it's kind of... So I think that it's part of the studio's kind of mission and culture to also encourage, you know, the talents that came come at a very early stage, let's say, to uh, to thrive through their work and their art and, and to then, you know, um, to grow, um, to, you know, come as a storyboard artist, get to lead storyboard artists, get to assistant director, et cetera, et cetera. So that's something also we kind of nurture. The thing we have to be careful about is that, that I've heard that, uh, American studios uh, come uh, early into the schools and and like in January, February, start talking to the best talent, to the best students and say, you know, at the end, when, at the end of the year, at the end of the school year, you, you'll get a job on this and this production. And there's kind of what the director of the schools told us is that they start not working anymore because they know that they're going to get a great job and they don't really need the diploma anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit scary because... Uh, we need to keep those talent also in France and not let them flee. It's, mm-hmm. it's always been a little bit like that, even if now it's, you're right, it's coming faster into the, the mm-hmm. students here. The funny thing, though, after the crisis, I believe, is you, are, you have had so many French, uh, very talented people going in the US after the studies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we feel that some of them uh, came during the crisis. So they, they have learned so much in the US in very big uh, studios, iconic studios, and now they're back and, and ready to work with the French studios and European studios. And they earn some good money in the US <laughs> and now they can come back to the French market when it is not as lucrative, but they have the family and countryside, so. <laughs> they can enjoy France now. Voilà. And the food, let's not forget, and the wine. <laughs> so- <laughs> So how is technology helping improve or speed up the development or production of animation projects? I don't feel that technology is helping on the development side, but it definitely is on production with, with tools like ShotGrid and, and the, that has become much more uh, in harmony and Toon Boom and all of that tools. On development, no, it's still brain and ideas and people who know how to draw. And so I don't think that technology makes a big difference. I don't know how my my friends feel about that, but uh... you you have the artificial intelligence phenomenon which is uh, coming up, and obviously uh, it may change the game uh, pretty much. We'll see, uh, but it's it's sure that you can earn some precious time using those tools to dig your ideas and to uh, you know um, yeah have a complement to your own creativity. Uh, what I feel is that it will never replace the work we do, but uh, it might be used as a support, you know, to to explore different routes uh, up front before you decide what you want to what you want to do with your work. So it's it's clear subject these days. Parting words: where we we've come to the end. Uh, if you look ahead uh, twelve to twenty four months, because I know in animation the the, the time frames are are long. Uh, are you optimistic about your business and about the market? I think France is in a very good position to welcome new projects, to partner with uh, talents uh, all around the globe. Uh, on the last point, I, I would say that IA can change a lot of things, and I hope in a way because as a new producer, uh, timing is really frustrating for me. Uh, we 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 are a very slow business, 
the decision by, by the commissioners are slow. The production process is very slow. And it is, it is an issue because we kids uh, in an environment where things go so fast. Mm. So I think we, we have room in that universe for very high-end premium content that we are around the table, around the virtual table specialized in. Uh, but we would appreciate uh, IA and te technology to allow us to go faster. And I think technology will do that. Uh, we are already using IA in development uh, and on the different phases of animation, things will change in, in the next years. And I hope it will change in the good. We will make everything possible to make it change in the good. All right. Well, thank you all so much for giving your time today. Thank you, Emmanuel and Clément and Julien and Kido. Thank you. I look forward to be to speaking with you again in the future. And uh, continue to do good work. Thank you, you very much. Thank you. See you in Tennessee. <laughs> well, thank you. Bye.